2: From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, I'm Kyone Wolf, and this is Us in the Time of Coronavirus. Every week, you'll hear from people who are struggling.
3: When did I ever think that I was going to feel like cleaning was a moral dilemma? You'll
2: hear from people who are helping.
1: You actually do have a good deal of control over what happens to
4: you.
2: And you'll hear from the youngest among us, who are trying to make sense of this new world. The
4: coronavirus isn't letting us go anywhere. It's making people get sick.
5: Some way from my mom and dad, uh, I start crying sometimes. One works in the hospital, and one of them is the healthcare worker.
2: Stay tuned for the first of our special series from Connecticut Public Radio: Us in the Time of Coronavirus. That's after the news.
6: I'm Isaiah Harrington. I am eight years old, and I live in Hartford.
2: Imagine you're talking to somebody who just came out of a coma. What would you tell them?
6: I would tell them that we have the coronavirus, stay six feet away from people, that's what my mom tells me, and don't go out so much, and wash your hands.
2: If you were in charge right now with this pandemic, what would be some of the things that you would change?
6: I would change that you could be five instead of six.
2: Why five? Why not three?
6: (laughs) (laughs) That was actually in my head first before five. I was gonna say three. How about I just change it to three?
2: All right, it is registered.
6: Three because I wanna be closer to the family members I can see. You miss hugs? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was eight-year-old Hartford resident Isaiah Harrington, and this is Us in the Time of Coronavirus. From Connecticut Public Radio, I'm Kion Wolfe. I've been a producer here since 2007, and since then I've been part of a team that's reported on some really difficult times. And now we're all trying to make sense of this unprecedented era of COVID-19. After we all started working from home, I kept seeing these painful stories of layoffs and panic. And I also saw stories about the helpers who are trying to make sense of all this, who are trying to ease the pain. That's who you'll hear from on this show. Every week, you'll hear from people who are struggling in the chaos of this virus, people who are helping us get through each day. And because they have much needed perspective, you'll hear from children. Let's get started. One thing we're hearing all the time right now is wash your hands. It's becoming a mantra, an obsession. But for some people with obsessive-compulsive disorder, this obsession with cleanliness is nothing new. So I wondered, what's it like watching the world do a version of what you've been doing this whole time? Chris Trapasso is a 32-year-old Connecticut native. He's been in L.A. for the past couple of years, making a living as a musician. He's been living with anxiety and OCD his whole life. Now that people are washing their hands more often, he's being super careful, wiping down doorknobs and grocery carts. And I asked him how he feels watching people behave in this way that's so familiar to him.
7: It's almost really comforting in a way. I'm like, wow, I'm not in it completely alone here. And like, even though it's not like they're they're getting these words, they're getting something in a way and understanding what I'm feeling. So... I feel like a lot more people are going to be open up because of this, and it's going to change change the world, I think. A lot of people are becoming a little bit more sensitive, I noticed, and more caring about what's important. I think everyone's trying to get to the more important things in life, and because the crisis is like this show you that, and it shows you other people with depression. And some people are just so busy in their life that they forget about that people are hurting, and they forget about these things. So when things like this happen, it brings us together. So I feel comforted, even though I don't want to hear people suffer or, or see it. I feel like in a way we're healing and getting better.
2: Is there any advice that you have for us?
7: Even though the reality might seem like scary, your thoughts can make it even scarier and we don't know what's going to happen any day. We don't know if we could die, if we could be away from this earth. I feel better when I try to appreciate every moment and really try to love and, and enjoy your animals, enjoy the people around you. Don't be in your head too much. Call your your parents, call people that you love and just really stay with connection and that, that's what helps me during this time and it's helped me my whole life
2: how do you know when you're done washing your hands or cleaning yourself or cleaning the things that you need to clean
7: i never really find that i mean i my ocd i i like in my head i feel like okay i touched that cup two hours ago before i washed my hands when i went out for a run so i could have went by a tree or something so it's always there i feel like it's everywhere so it's just how i'm coping with it really I like wash the sink handle, the door handle and everything. So I never really feel like it's fully clean. But when I really take a shower, wash my phone, wash everything, then I feel like it's like, okay, I can rest now and I'm, I'm okay, you know. Some part of you has to kind of shut it off and be like, uh, you know, you can't be too much about it right now, you know, because then you're just going to be panicky, you know, and panicked about everything. And, you know, I've had panic attacks too with my OCD my whole life. So during this time, I've had a few. But I'm really, like, coming to a rhythm now to, like, getting out and getting more comfortable with what's happening and trying to adapt to it.
2: Can you talk a bit about when you are having panic attacks? I know that um, everybody who has them tries to find a way out of them, like, in the immediacy, right? Like, I've had one panic attack my whole life, which is baffling to me because this world is chaos. But... After it happened, I I did a lot of research about methods people use to just to not snap out of it, because if you could snap out of it, you would. But um, techniques to like start easing your way out of that hole that you're in. So I'm wondering, have you since you've experienced panic attacks so often, are there any things that you do to just start pulling yourself out?
7: What helped me was yoga, meditation, and all, and just mindfulness, being in the moment. It's gonna pass. Nothing ever stays ever. No feeling, nothing stays in this life ever. So it's gonna pass. It's not gonna be as scary as it was before. It might not be the same after, but we're gonna we're gonna adapt to it and make it make it better than it was. And and it's not gonna it's not feeling isn't gonna be there forever. And meditation, um, yoga, a lot, healthiness, uh, music, and friendships has helped me, you know, but it's still there in the back of my mind that it's going to happen again, but I can try to deal with it the best I can. Talking about it, not keeping it inside and talking about it to friends and family is what helps me the most.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> that's great advice for anybody too. And that's the, that's a, that's the thing about about what you're going through is, you know, it's, it's specifically yours, but you know, our Venn diagrams are overlapping a lot more than they ever have with some of the stuff you're going through. And so that advice that you're giving to yourself to get out of where you are, at least, you know, for the time being, I think really applies to everybody.
7: Yeah. And just having that perception, having that, like making the best of whatever we have right now, and then maybe things can get better from that. You know, the universe, everything's always moving and always changing. Let's just, evolve and adapt with it you know it's not going to always stay bad forever so don't be all panicked you know we're going to get through this you know just stay clear you know and that's what i'm trying to do every day even though i have to battle like ocd every day and what's happening now in the world you know so let's all stay together with this
2: thank you so much chris
7: no problem <laughs> we're all in it together you know it's like the la traffic we're all in it together <laughs> you know <laughs> although at least not no right now anymore. <laughs> you walk in the street on a Monday morning and see cars just all lined up on my, my sidewalk on the sidewalk near my house. You never see that ever. It's crazy. I'm glad I got to talk to you. Thank you, actually.
2: You're very, very welcome.
7: Stay safe out there, okay?
2: You too. Bye Chris. See ya. We are all feeling really anxious right now, and that's normal. We're living through something we've never experienced before. It's scary. We don't know what's going to happen, who's going to get sick, how they'll get sick, how things in our life are going to change. Dr. David Tolan is the director of the Anxiety Disorders Center and Center for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy at the Institute of Living in Hartford. He joined me to talk about this moment for those with OCD and also those just feeling more anxiety than usual, which is all of us. He told me about what he's seeing now that's different than what he's seen before.
1: I think that the coronavirus outbreak and the subsequent quarantine is causing anxiety and stress for a lot of Americans. For in, in most cases, those don't necessarily require clinical intervention, but there are some people who are more vulnerable to that, and those are the people who have pre-existing anxiety or depressive disorders, and for them, being stuck at home or the uncertainty of not knowing how this virus is going to play out, um, is really wreaking havoc on their, on their emotional system.
2: So, uh, before I talked to you, I interviewed a gentleman who has OCD, which manifests, I know in in lots of different ways for different people. I think uh, when you think OCD, you think hand-washing or light switch flipping, but I know that it's, it can be so much more than that. Um, For those who are beginning to feel like they want to obsessively, compulsively wash their hands, the advice is different now, yeah?
1: It is. We are all trying to adjust to a new reality, and there was a time... When we would say to a person with OCD, you should stop washing your hands for an extended period of time and you should go and touch things that are really dirty and get used to it and realize that nothing bad is going to happen to you. Well, the coronavirus changes that and we can't necessarily say with certainty um, that nothing bad is going to happen to you if you stop washing your hands. So the best we can tell people who have OCD is to follow the CDC guidelines which we understand can change over time. Uh, And so we encourage our patients to pay attention to those and recognize that the personnel at the CDC um, have the background and the expertise to know what's safe and what's not. We also point out that OCD, despite the fact that it's been part of your life for a long time, does not have the background and the expertise to know what's safe and what's not. OCD is still a a disorder of the brain that essentially tells you lies or blows things out of proportion. So we encourage people, even those with OCD, to look at the facts and to pay attention to and conform to the CDC guidelines, but not go overboard with it.
2: Are you worried at all that this era of fear and anxiety and stress and needing to sanitize things more than we ever thought we should before, are you worried that more people may develop OCD if that's how that works? Is that how that works?
1: Well, the best estimate that we have about what causes OCD is that there's a mixture of biological vulnerabilities and environmental stressors. We call this the diathesis stress model. And the diathesis, the pre-existing vulnerability, is thought to be partially genetic It's partially how your brain is built and how it functions. And those are things that occur independently of what you experience environmentally. And at the same time, your environment then contributes a significant amount of the variance to whether or not you're going to develop the disorder. So it may be that what we're going to see is an increase in things like obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety disorders. But I think we would probably see it primarily in people who have that existing diathesis people that are already vulnerable to develop it Hmm.
2: are you surprised at the anxiety levels that you're seeing in the world right now i mean on on social media it's so easy to see that people are really stressed out right now are you surprised at this or does this make total sense to you (laughs)
1: I wish I could say I'm surprised, but to be honest, this makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, we, I, I work at a hospital, and so I get to see the amount of preparation that's going into this, and I get to see how people are really bracing for something truly terrible. The potential reality that we are all facing is really scary. So it's not surprising at all to me that a lot of Americans are feeling very scared right now.
2: So how about some takeaways for people who either have never really felt stressed out on a deep, meaningful level until this point in their lives uh, or, and for people who struggle all the time. And this is just a screaming hellfire of anxiety. What are some, what are some takeaways things people can at least start with when they're feeling completely overwhelmed and terrified by the world?
1: When life is really unpredictable and it seems uncontrollable. One of the best things that you or I can do is focus in on those elements of life that we actually have some control over. And we can control quite a bit of what happens to us. We can conform to the CDC guidelines, we can practice physical distancing, we can use good hand hygiene, we can avoid touching our face. And we know from infectious disease that if you do those things, you can exert a great deal of control over what happens to you. So it's important to recognize that even though times are scary and even though it feels very unpredictable and uncontrollable, you actually do have a good deal of control over what happens to you.
2: That is comforting. (laughs) And a lot of this is, you know, a lot of the anxiety is feeling out of control. I mean, is that a big fundamental part of anxiety?
1: It's been very well established that if you want to really freak people out, the best way to do it is take away their semblance of control and take away their ability to predict the future. That's a guaranteed recipe to make people stressed out and anxious. And that's exactly what the universe is doing right now. But it's important for us to pull back from that and recognize that we do have at least a little bit of control.
2: Is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure you say?
1: So I spend a lot of my time talking with people who have anxiety disorders. And one of the things that has surprised me is how many of them are not spiraling out of control. You know, that for a lot of people, what they become very upset and obsessed about is internal to them. And now there's a a very real threat that we're all facing, and it's shared. And that doesn't necessarily lead to dramatic explosions of psychiatric illness.
2: Do you think because there's this external threat that the internal threats that they were dealing with for so long has now kind of gotten distracted, if that's the right word? I
1: think that's, that's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, well, I, I get, yeah, I'm, I'm actually remembering back to September 11th, 2001. And at that time, I was running a group of patients with anxiety disorders. And one of the things that I found was that their anxiety didn't skyrocket after 9-11. And one of the things that they said to me was it kind of makes the things that I was worried about seem a little bit trivial. And now I've, now, now I've, I've got something real to worry about. And, and worrying about real things tends not to be as psychologically damaging as worrying about imagined threats. And so I, I find myself kind of wondering whether we might see a similar phenomenon here, that you know, people with anxiety disorders, while I, I don't think that their concerns are trivial at all, they do tend to worry about things that are often internal to them. And having some real-world threat out there may actually mobilize certain people rather than paralyze them.
2: I feel like I'm not alone, but I feel like I I worry up until this COVID-19 stuff. Like, you know when you have a pain in your side and you're like, oh, my God, is it cancer? Sure, (laughs) yeah. I personally worry about cancer, which is, I should also worry about heart disease if I want to think rationally, but this is not about necessarily being rational, but like I worry about getting sick when there's not necessarily a reason or a symptom, Um, not so much that I can't live my life, but, and it's interesting that I've noticed that since this COVID-19 stuff started happening, I don't think about it at all because I am so concerned thinking about this.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting observation that in in some ways, this sort of competes with existing neuroses and and maybe gives you something a little bit more tangible to focus on. And my sense of this is that focusing on the real often is not psychiatrically destabilizing. It's nerve-wracking, but it doesn't necessarily explode into psychological disorder.
2: Huh. So I wonder... I know it's completely impossible to imagine what the future is going to hold, how long this will last, and even like, what does the end look like? Will it be a staggered thing or will it be one day the doors are open and we can all go outside? When you think about people trying to go outside again and moving forward with their lives in this new environment, with this history behind us and still with us a little bit, are you expecting more people to have agoraphobia, more anxiety, OCD, things like that? I may
1: be in the minority, in my opinion here, but I honestly don't think we're going to see a dramatic uptick in psychiatric illness over the long term. I think in the short term, we're going to see a lot of very stressed out, anxious people. But I think that we're probably not going to see a dramatic uptick in psychiatric disorder over the long term. I think in the short term, we're going to see a lot of very stressed out and anxious people. But I I think that most of us are probably not going to develop a psychiatric disorder unless we're already really biologically vulnerable to do so. I I kind of go back to 9-11 because that's the most recent sort of mass disaster that lots of us had to contend with. And even though a lot of people had doomsday predictions about what was going to happen psychiatrically, most of that didn't really come to fruition. People did not develop massive, long lasting psychiatric disorders for the most part. And life eventually kind of got back to something resembling normal. I like to think that that's probably what we're going to see here, too. A lot of short term upheaval, a lot of distress, but probably eventually life goes back to normal. And we do, too.
2: Thank you, David. I'm just gonna just replay this interview over and over again when I feel distressed. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, anytime. Thanks for calling. You bet. All right, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. You, you too. Bye bye. That was validating and comforting. Thank you, Dr. David Tolan, director of the Anxiety Disorders Center and Center for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy at the Institute of Living in Hartford. Next up, you'll meet a house cleaner who, in 20 years of business, feels for the first time like she's facing a moral crisis to keep doing her job. Plus, what it's like on the front lines at a grocery store as the state and the world shuts down. I'm Kyone Wolf. That's us in the time of coronavirus. After the break. From Connecticut Public Radio, this is Us in the Time of Coronavirus. I'm Kyone Wolfe. What do you do when your business is cleaning houses and businesses, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, your clients are canceling? Sarah Ellis runs Fancy Jane's Cleaning.
3: I'm a Jane of all trades, and I like to do it fancy, so that's what that's about.
2: (laughs) She's been doing it for over 20 years from her home base in Windsor, Connecticut. We talked just as the state was shutting down on March 19th.
3: I had my first cancellation today and it was from somebody who is seriously immune compromised. So I totally get it, but people don't want me to cancel. It's a little nerve-wracking. When did I ever think that I was going to feel like cleaning was a moral dilemma? I have um, elderly clients, I have people who have compromised immune systems. I have people who are stuck home with five children, and they don't know what to do with themselves. You know, I go back and forth every minute on whether or not I should close my business. I'm cleaning for nurses. I'm cleaning for pilots. I'm cleaning for businesses. I have restaurants that I clean for, real estate offices. I'm out there all the time. Am I exposing myself when nobody's there? It's just like it's it's a really difficult decision to go out the door. Every day. Does that sound rational?
2: I don't even know how to wrap my head around this conundrum you're in. because you're It's worried. weird. <laughs> it's
3: so yeah. Weird. Like you're here <laughs> yeah. to
2: help. You're here to clean. You're here to rid germs. But then that puts you right in front of the most scary ones.
3: Right. But I'd also, I also, I am like I'm a helper by nature and I want my clients. They're very, I've been with some of these people for over 20 years. They're so important to me. And I want do what I need to do to keep them safe but I still have to I you know I'm a single parent I still have to support my child we're going to be here when all of this is over and we're going to be ready to go like as an industry there's a lot of us out there but but you know I'm self-employed I'm self-employed what am I going to do if I can't work
2: talk a bit about how you're keeping your home uh, as clean as you can um, well,
3: because I do have a potentially immune-compromised child, um, I'm not letting anybody in. But that's me. I'm also We've also been here. My daughter has had cancer in the past, so we've been here before. We kind of know how to rock this. Um, but I'm, I'm not letting people in. I'm, I am letting people. I have a beautiful yard. I have chickens for them to come enjoy, so they I'm letting people in the yard to come enjoy that. But I bleached all the touch points. I diluted it in one gallon. I was putting in a... Um, a half a cup of bleach any light switches you know cleaning those anything that you touch a lot i even did my car that's kind of how i'm going about it i hand washed the floors with bleach Um, no shoes in the house i'm leaving uh when i get home from work i'm taking my clothes off the door and getting immediately i'm kind of treating myself like a nurse like i'm bringing in these toxic chemicals to my house you know everything's going right in the wash and i'm keeping my distance from my daughter
2: Uh, what's that like
3: Um, It's really hard because she's super cute.
2: (laughs) She is super cute.
3: (laughs) I love her, you know? I mean, we have a very close relationship, so it's kind of difficult, but we're doing what we have to do.
2: How are you dealing with this emotionally?
3: I turned off the news. It was panicking me. I do a brief update in the morning. I do a little bit of research around the cleaning stuff. I just want to know... Kind of what, I want to see what other people are doing. And I feel like it's 50-50, people working and people not working. But once I, I turned off the news, I'm sorry to say, I kind of settled down a little bit. It's just, I mean, it's so in your face. It's so in your face. And I don't, you know, like I know that I'm talking to the news right now, but for my anxiety levels, I needed to take a couple steps back.
2: Is there anything that we have not talked about that you really want to say?
3: It's so, it's just so hard. We're going to be here, like when everybody's ready for their deep cleans because everybody's been in their houses for so long. We're going to be here. We're all, as far as I can see, doing research and making the best decisions that we can, not just for ourselves, but our clients. And I see a lot of people putting themselves out of work intentionally, but, you know, we just... We love our people. We can't do it without them.
2: Ten days later, I followed up with Sarah. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am bored. I'm just kidding. Only boring people are bored, Sarah. Come on. (laughs) I'm not at all bored. I'm not at all bored. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what's been going on since we last talked. Um.
3: Well, my business is shut down. I don't want to put myself at risk, even though I'd probably be fine. I'm super healthy. I take really good care of myself. But um, I have a lot of people in my life who are not in the same condition that I'm in. But like my older clients, a lot of them are still saying no. They're freaked out. They won't go to the grocery store. I dropped groceries off, but they meeting people at the door. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do for my business right now. I don't know how long this is going to last. None of us do, but it's it's very frightening. I w- was very fortunate um a couple of people did send me like a week's pay or two weeks pay, but I have a house, I have a kid. It's not going to it's not going to sustain me for long. I've been looking at other jobs thinking maybe it's time that I change fields. I think it'll be a great business once this is over, but I can't wait 4 or 5 months, 6 months for my people to feel comfortable letting me back in their house or businesses to reopen.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me into your brain for a minute.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's so scrambled. I hope I made some sort of sense. You know, my thoughts are just like all over the place right now, all over the place.
2: With Sarah Ellis, owner of Fancy Jane's Cleaning Service in Windsor, Connecticut. Next up, Ace Ricker. With 11 years of work at Stop & Shop under his belt, he's seen a lot. He's a front-end supervisor and multi-department manager, which means basically he does a little bit of everything. What he's seeing in his West Hartford store now is both totally familiar and completely novel. I asked him when he first started seeing things change in his store.
0: After the COVID-19 really started to expand throughout Italy um, and China. There started to be a pickup, an influx of sales three weeks ago is when we saw a radical change in behavior from our customers.
2: Talk more about that change.
0: The change was panic. It's a similar panic, even though we're New Englanders, it's when you hear snow in the forecast. Everyone goes and they get their eggs and their milk and sometimes their toilet paper. But this time, the interesting focus was on toilet paper, cleaning products, paper products, eggs, milk, and our meat department. Um, Mainly, of course, as most people have heard, is toilet paper. I, I must find the humor in it because we don't, I don't try to ever live on fear, but people fighting. We've had multiple um, unfortunate disagreements to accelerations to physical interactions, not at my store, but at other stores throughout Connecticut between customers over toilet paper, everything from hand sanitizer, toilet paper, gloves, and it's, it's frustrating because even now – Uh, Today, our store actually got a a decent amount of those products in, and we've definitely seen our store build on those products, but you still see customers looming. um, And like, where did you get that box of tissues? Or we've had people take things from other carts if they're not observing their carts. There's definitely, unfortunately, a sad side. When panic hits, this panic is now... More of like if the snow, if snow is coming, even if we're in New England, pure like there's not going to be anything left on the shelf and I'm never going to see it again. Even though that's not true, we still see it vastly happening throughout our stores, even now when we are filling up materials.
2: So if things sort of stabilized in terms of those things that people are most interested in buying?
0: Right now, we're starting to see a plateau, and, and it's stabilizing with product coming in. Unfortunately, the flux of customers have kind of flattened out. They, we get a little bit of an acceleration. We do see now we have our 6 a.m. to 7.30, 60-year-olds and up, who are only allowed to come in the store three weeks ago. We saw over 100 people in front of our store to now only seeing between 10 and 20 people waiting in the front of the store. And then we get a varying amount up to like 50 people throughout that hour and a half duration and steadily throughout the day. With product itself, we've been getting our shipments. We've been getting, we've been starting to like our meat department. The beginning of this week, we could not fill our shelves. Fortunately, our meat department has pretty much been able to access chicken, beef, pork, anything that needed. We might not have every variety, but we definitely have that ability um, to provide that, as well as our dairy department. We have eggs. We have our milk. We have cream. The irony was many people went for ice cream. We had no ice cream in our coolers, and people were just craving their ice cream, and fortunately, we've been getting that in. We have been getting hand sanitizer and all those products. It's just because those are the key items people are searching for, they are still moving very fast off our shelves. But it is slowly getting a steady pace of getting those products in where we weren't seeing any of those products coming in.
2: You mentioned that a lot of people are buying ice cream. Maybe that didn't surprise you that that happened, but are there items that you're surprised seeing people buy in bulk?
0: Ketchup. Don't know. I, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Condiments were definitely a big thing, but ketchup, we ran out of ketchup real quick. Ketchup, and in this area, ginger root. And I think the reason ginger root has been very valued right now is because having ginger, whether putting in your tea or your food, I guess it's good for the body. I guess the nutrients you get out of ginger, but ginger root specifically, we were having a a hard time this last week, getting it in at all and we were out and frozen fruit. Frozen fruit was a big thing and frozen veggies, Uh, but ice cream. Yeah. Ice cream. People were like gunning for the ice cream. Pringles was a hot ticket item. And chocolate. Chocolate bars were mainly just solid chocolate bars. A lot of people were, again, the upper scale chocolate bars. With such panic, especially when you hear every single day these numbers vastly changing and vastly accelerating, to seeing stats come out yesterday that now out of Italy or China, we have surpassed their numbers, which is very terrifying. And so it's difficult to see those numbers and have, especially our elderly, like the people that have been coming in the last three weeks that are regular customers in their 60s and up who are scared because they are at a higher risk of getting COVID-19. And to see them struggling to find things that all of us have taken for granted it really hits you hard. Like I've been going in every single day now to see people just showing up to then leaving, feeling lost and a sense of hopelessness and you see it. And for myself, like I have dyed green hair that I didn't do for St. Patrick's Day. I did it just to do it. And it just kind of ironically did that. But one thing I kept my mustache because I grow a mustache to curl it out. And one reason I kept my mustache is because people find, I find people saying that it brings a smile to their face and simple things that I can do to bring some sort of happiness in a time where you see constant negative and gloom is something I try to do. And I know that several other associates are doing that. And it's, it's, I'm happy that we got two palettes. It seems in some ways when I say it's, stupid in a sense like we got two pallets of ice cream last night but that's going to be something that comforts that person that's stuck at home and can't see their family members or can't see their significant other because they live in two different states and it's too dangerous to travel right now and possibly give someone else the COVID-19. Now in our store we have blue lines to signify six feet and we have plexiglass up every single person we have gloves on every single register we have hand sanitizer on every single register if individuals want to wear face masks they're allowed to wear face masks if customers are in front of the register they have to stay behind the plexiglass if customers bring their own bags they have to go to the end of the register to bag them to make sure that there's a six foot barrier between the cashier and them. And some of our cashiers are very timid. They don't want to distress the customer as well as every time they bring that up, it reinitializes, this is serious. But overall, as, as you were saying before, overall I feel the associates have a a high level of urgency
2: is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you want to make sure you say?
0: If you're in search of something, we rather you call the store to see if we have it. We're not hiding product. We're not doing any of that. We rather you call us and say, Hey, do you have toilet paper or do you have hand soap? We rather you just give us a call to see if the product is in than coming in and not social distancing yourself and possibly spreading anything that you may encounter in one store to the next store. We'd rather you just give us a call. Our phones are open from 6 a.m. till 8. And even after that, our night crew can pick up the phone if needed. We want to make sure that everyone stays safe. And the best way to stay safe. Unfortunately, I'm a very extroverted person. If you haven't
2: gotten that from (laughs) the
0: conversation,
2: I did pick up on a little bit of that. Yeah. A a little bit of that,
0: that you call because even for me, I, I do not like being quarantined and and I work and I come home and that's it. And and I run around my backyard like a mad raccoon because I can't do anything social, but I understand that's how I, I rather be safe than sorry. And I, and to just call
2: ace thank you so much for talking to me yeah
0: it was it was my pleasure i i appreciate that i could give you information that could be helpful and 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 hopeful
2: totally have a wonderful day keep safe thanks ace you too thank you bye bye that was ace ricker a manager at stop and shop in west hartford connecticut After the break, how are the youngest among us understanding this and explaining it to themselves? And what are they worried about? And do they have any advice for us? I'm Kyone Wolf. That's next on Us in the Time of Coronavirus. Be right back. From Connecticut Public Radio, this is Us in the Time of Coronavirus. I'm Kyone Wolf. I think we could use some perspective, specifically from kids. I reached out to the community around me to see if any children wanted to talk to me, and it turns out that kids have a lot to say about what's going on right now. So here's our first young person, 7-year-old Lillian from Hartford, Connecticut. Hello? Hey, Lillian, it's Kyone. How are you? Good. Okay, if aliens landed, and you needed to tell them what was going on right now, what everybody's upset about, how would you explain it to the aliens? Oh,
4: the coronavirus isn't letting us go anywhere.
2: What's it doing to people? Making people get sick. Hmm. How is your life different now that this coronavirus is making its rounds around the world?
4: Well, I can't really go anywhere, and I have to be at home, because if I go
2: out, then I'm going to get sick. Hmm. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? This morning we ate
4: pancakes, and I've been playing games with my mom and dad.
2: After this is all over... What is the first thing you want to do? Um, I'll have a day of yes. A day of yes. Tell me more about that.
4: Well, it's basically where my mom answers yes and my dad answers yes to everything. So I get to do whatever I want.
2: Okay. So what do you want? Like, what are the first things you want to do?
4: go to an amusement park. Oh, what do you want to
2: eat? Uh, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that you're a very funny person, so I was hoping you could maybe tell me some jokes. Sure. What is the whale's favorite game? What is the whale's favorite game? Swallow the leader. Swallow the leader. <laughs> That's awesome. What else? You got any more jokes? Yeah, I have two more jokes. Okay.
4: Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance?
2: Mm, Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? He
4: had no body to go with.
2: (laughs) All right, you got another one? Yeah. All right, I'm ready. Why
4: did the invisible man turn down the job?
2: Why did the invisible
4: man turn
2: down the job? Why? He just couldn't see himself doing it. <laughs> Lillian, thank you so much for making me feel better. Welcome. Bye. Bye. That was Lillian from Hartford. Next up, 10 year old West Hartford resident, Lucas. How are you feeling with all this? A little stressed out. Tell me more.
5: So, um, since I'm at my grandparents' house right now, I'm doing a lot of getting us on the computer, making sure we do our work. I'm going, like, back and forth, uh, upstairs, downstairs, inside out.
2: How are you passing the time since you're not allowed to go to school or hang out with your friends or play sports?
5: Uh, there's a school across from us. So, uh, we go there in the tennis courts. I play with my sister outside. I go to the track with my grandpa. I play with the dog. I mean, I watch some stuff. They don't let us watch too much. <laughs> that's a good thing. I could stay on all day.
2: When I go to bed at night, that's when I start thinking about, what I'm excited to do tomorrow, or when I start worrying, like, ugh, did I say the wrong thing, or did I forget to do this? And there's just all these thoughts in my head when I go to bed. So I'm wondering, when you go to bed lately, what kind of things you think about?
5: Um, since I'm away from my mom and dad, uh, I start crying sometimes, missing them. I'm thinking about what we're gonna do tomorrow, how I'm gonna help out around the house, my grandma and grandpa
2: why can't you be with your parents right now
5: because of the coronavirus and one works in the hospital and one of them is a healthcare worker
2: wow that is stressful you're right i'm i wonder what advice do you have for adults and kids in terms of getting through this okay
5: it's gonna end it's not going to go on forever. And for parents, even if your kids don't say that they love you, they do. They appreciate you a lot for all of this.
2: How long do you think this is going to go on for? Like, when do you think you'll be able to go out and play with your friends? Um, two months. If you could go back in time to the very beginning of all this and give yourself a message or some advice, what would you go back and tell yourself?
5: Don't be afraid of the start of it. Everything's going to be okay because I'm all stressed out a lot and nothing's bad going to happen. Yeah.
2: Now, one last thing. I'm really stressed out. So I'm wondering if you know any jokes.
5: What did the plate say to the other plate?
2: What did the plate say to the other plate? Uh, I don't know. What?
5: Dinner's on me.
2: Well, Lucas, thank you for making me feel better. You're awesome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. Bye. That was 10 year old Lucas from West Hartford. Finally, here's 8 year old Hartford resident Isaiah. I asked him how he's spending his time these days.
6: I'm passing the time by playing video games, watching YouTube TV and having some outside time.
2: What do you miss the most right now?
6: Um, being able to travel so I could visit my brother.
2: If you were in charge of the whole world, what would you do differently in this situation? If I could
6: control the whole world and talk to the adults, I would be like, This is serious, not joking, and I would tell people to stay in their homes, be safe, stay six feet away from people, and try not to catch the coronavirus.
2: How are you changed by this?
6: I am changed by... How nothing like this has ever happened in the whole entire world, and I'm here to see it all.
2: How does that feel?
6: Pretty exciting to see something like this happen, but makes me very sad that this is happening. Yeah. And what's happening to people.
2: Well, since these times are really hard, do you have any jokes for us?
6: Oh, yeah, I have one. What is the only place
2: that serves food for football players? The only place that serves food for football players? Uh, I don't know. The Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Those were the days when people went to sporting events. How long do you think it'll be until we can go to sporting events again?
6: Um, it might be a year. I don't know.
2: I don't know either. Well, thanks for talking to me, Isaiah. I feel better. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Bye. Ta da. <laughs> Ta da. Thanks to Lillian, Lucas, Isaiah, and to all their parents and caretakers who are clearly doing an awesome job with these kids. There are a lot of stories to tell about what's going on right now, and I would love to hear who you think we should talk to. You can contact me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion wolf My last name is Wolf like a wolf. That would bite you if you gave it an extra L or F or E or O. And my email is cwolf at ctpublic.org. Us in the Time of Coronavirus was produced by me and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. The theme music is called This is the Song by Punch Brothers. It's a beautiful song. Look it up. You can find more information and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any stories at ctpublic.org slash coronavirus. Till next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and hold on tight. Thanks for listening. Good luck, good
4: luck. These are tough times.